Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Mark. It's good. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. So I've been uh, not stalking you, but following you on social media, and we've talked a little bit, and I'm very intrigued about the direction you're going with your you know, you're, you're professionally, which I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And I'm sure through the course of your life, it wasn't a straight line because we know life is not linear. So mm-hmm. I, I love to jump into this and just ask you, the audience needs to know the essence of Mark Carter. So how did you get to be where you are? What are some, you know, moments in your life that kind of molded you to who you are now? And we can start as early as you're in diapers or later on in life, wherever you want to start, my friend. The big pivotal moment for me was college. My senior year, I read a Tony Robbins book and he described his life. Like, okay. that's what I want. Consulting <laughs> and helping people and coaching and speaking. And it's just awesome. And the energy that he has is just so amazing. And I, because <clears throat> I was younger, I figured, <clears throat> excuse me. I needed letters after my name. So I got all the same certifications. He got <laughs> neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy. I drove. I lived in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. Drove to Chicago, slept in my car for two weeks wow. because I couldn't afford a hotel, but I could barely afford the certification process. So, and I look back in the time, like, what the heck? I would not do that now. I just wouldn't do that. What was I thinking? But I did it. <laughs> And I, and I struck it on my own, and after moving to Chicago, I realized keynote speaking is not what I wanted to do. I love facilitation. Mm-hmm. I love interaction. So I took a year of imp- intense improv classes oh, to learn how to think on my feet uh-huh. and engage with the audience and really create a conversation, not a presentation. And that's what landed me where I am today. I'm fascinated because I, I remember meeting you uh, – um... I have to look back to see how we met, which I love the way that we're meeting people, you know, who we should be meeting. And I remember any certain topics you would talk about, the passion that you just exhibited right this minute wasn't like this. And it it gets me excited to see you excited that you made this transformation with the with uh you know, tell me more about the improv and I know you mentioned other terms that I'm just reading about with fireside chats and all that. It just, I'm, I'm, I'm like really, really interested in hearing more about that stuff. Well, the keynote conversations that I'm doing now, that's right. Keynote conversations. Yeah. Stem from improv. Cause I, I'd taken all the speaking classes and I just realized I'm not, first of all, I'm not good at it. (laughs) I have ADHD, which is phenomenal for creativity. Yeah. Not, good for memorizing a 55 minute speech and then presenting it accordingly to an audience it yeah, just didn't work for me yeah, and after dying on stage and many times i finally said i gotta go a different route and in 2007 one of my best friends was running the chicago improv festival mm-hmm. and she put me in charge of the green room with the celebrities okay and the after parties with the celebrities so I got to talk to the people you see in the movies and TV, and I would just right. tell them, it's like, hey, I'm not going to bug you, but I'm just curious. Two things. What don't people know about improv, and how has improv changed your life? And they would talk my ear off, and in a nutshell, improv is not about being funny. 
It's about being in the moment. Organically, it will become funny, but right. it's not like stand-up comedy where you're planning, you know when the laughs are going to come 23 minutes into your set, whatever else. It's all about just being real and being in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to say, forget this public speaking training I've been trying to do that I'm not good at. It, and I don't like it. Let's do improv instead. Okay. And let's facilitate conversations instead. And that was a huge pivotal point in my career when I realized, you know, I'm not going to be, a, I'm never going to be a keynote speaker because I don't like it. And I'm not good at it. Well, is improv a lot to do with like mindset and being in the present moment so you can just flow? And B? The, well, the big the big improv thing that people talk about is yes and. Okay. And that's huge because if you're on stage with somebody, like when I'm on stage with an expert, my yeah. job is to make them look good. My okay. job is to share their genius. Okay. And no matter what the audience, it's not saying no. It's not saying that doesn't work. It's about saying, acknowledging, yes, I hear what you said. Okay. And now let's add a new idea onto what you just said. And then we'll add another idea and another idea. And that's where I came up with the term idea climbing is you're just combining ideas together uh -huh. to create answers and organic conversations that wouldn't happen if you were just like, I'm the expert. I know everything. It's no. Let their yeah. ideas become part of the conversation. And that's what I do now. You know, that's a very good point, because when we when we do know, we shut down the conversation when you say yes and you open up the mind. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of understanding now uh, definitely the benefit of, of, of yes and. Um, so, so tell me, with, and, I, and I know you've done podcasting before too, mm -hmm. and, and that's a lot about letting the other person shine because like, you know, I've been on both the guesting and the hosting and I try not to talk as much on the hosting side because I want you to shine, Mark. So is there a lot of similarities between podcasting and, and improv work in, in, in what you're doing now? Yes, it's making your uh, an improv would be uh, if you're physically on stage. It's making oh, your okay. scene partner or partners right. look good. Okay. And what I bring to my podcast, and that's what I love when people talk about, is that I talk twenty percent of the time. They talk eighty percent of the time. Okay. It's up to me to ask the right questions, so they bring their genius to the forefront and make them shine and have an amazing conversation that people can learn from. Not. Oh, here's what you said. Well, guess what, Drew? Uh, here's what I think about what you just said. Eighty mm percent -hmm. uh -uh. of the time should be listening and letting them talk. So, give me give me an example of one of your better. And I know you wrote wrote a book, and I definitely want you to talk about that. I know you've interviewed some amazing, amazing people, and you talk about that in your book as well. Give give me an example of a one of your best conversations, and b how you found that person. And get got them to really want to sit down with you. Um, that would be the first thing that comes to mind is my first video conversation in 2012. Okay, I had never been on video before. I did not want to be on video for whatever <laughs> reason. I had a fear of it. I don't yep. know what it was, but I just yeah. it is what it is. It was what it was. Right. And I was in, uh, on the board of Meeting Professionals International, uh -huh. and I was booking speakers and running book launches and book tours at the time. And somebody, I don't even remember who it was, somebody from one of the committees called me and said, hey, you know, you, you work with public speakers and authors. We want the founder of TED to talk at our next conference. Can you get to him? 
And I'm thinking, I know more people than whatever I got it. Nobody knew how to get to them. Okay, great. Nobody. Uh-huh. So I figured I want to do the the old school founder slash CEO approach of call them at 730 in the morning when they're the only person in the office. Okay. No staff, no assistant. I left a voicemail. 30 minutes later, he, Richard Saul Worman, he called me back himself, not his assistant. And, wow. said, and we started talking. And I was playing it cool. I had an intern at the time, and I'm like hitting the mute button, like it's the founder of Ted. And then I go back to the phone, and be like, "Yes, uh, Mr. Worman, let's have a conversation. I'd like to talk to you about this." It's the founder of Ted. Worman, yes, uh huh. Um, we'd I like love you it. to speak. And he agreed to it, and okay. he was just building a conference, and we got we just it was one of those. I called him, so I don't know how much luck had to play in it because he didn't call me. So I, I, luck is kind of a weak word, but luck played a role and okay. we got along really well. And then he said he was planning a conference. His first one since Ted, he invented Ted mm-hmm. and he explained what he needed. And I said, I can do that. And I took a big leap. And said, I'll do that for you. Wow. Let's work together on a conference for a year. And I still remember the first video. It's, it's him now. And I researched him and he was always a talking head. There was never anyone else in the video with him on YouTube. So right. people were asking questions. So I figured I'm safe. I don't I don't want to be on camera. He doesn't like people to be on camera. Literally five minutes before it started, and it was completely improvised because I didn't know that he would say yes to being videotaped for an interview. Right. He grabbed my shoulder and said, hey, kid, you're a part of this. And then wow. I, and I left it in the video. I love my favorite thing to hear now with my podcast, my YouTube videos yeah. is when someone says, wow, that's a great question. And it makes them think. And I love it when they say that. First, I don't remember what it was, but the first question I asked him, his response was on video. That's not a good question. Let's start over. I'm like, put it on the poker face. Like, oh, my God. What the hell did he just say? What am I going to do with this? And I Uh told my editor, leave it in because that's a real moment. Oh, my gosh. I love that you left it in. Yes. That's just, uh, don't cut it out. Leave it in because it's just real. And I managed to do the rest of the conversation. It was like 10 minutes. But that's what I really remember is my first time. I, I had no plans to be on camera until he said that I was going to be on camera. With him. Wow. That, maybe that's the best way to get on, right? The doing doing it scared thing. You didn't have time to overthink it and, and psych yourself Oh, I had out. no time to think about it at all. It was completely <laughs> improvised. <laughs> now, you put, you have that story in your book, don't you? Uh, he wrote the forward to the book. He did, I don't, okay. um, I think I might have that story in there, but he wrote the forward to the book. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I got to pick up a copy of your book for full, full disclosure. I haven't gotten to it yet. Now that was relatively recent where you, I remember t- talking to you like the day or two after you finally got this up and running. Tell yeah, me like about last that. October. Yeah. Tell me about that whole leading up to it when it found felt real to you that, you're an author. When did it really feel real? When I had the manuscript, I, f- I forget how many words it is, but let's say 40,000 words. Yeah. When I had it at that level where the publisher is just editing it, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not adding to it because it took so, it was based on, it's not based on, the big thing with me was it's not based on my journey. Right. It's based on the people I interviewed and the people and companies that I researched. So I would do something like say, realize, okay, 10 people that successful people that I've interviewed have talked about mentoring. That has to be a chapter because so many people are talking about doing it. Then I would have to go out and find it. 
either a story in an autobiography or biography. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or an interview. Okay. And one of the things, in, one of the chapters in the book for mentoring is Bo Jackson. I've, okay. I was lucky enough to interview him. He's on my YouTube station now. Wow. And I, that's what I would do. But but it was this work in progress right. that it wasn't just me sitting down to write. It was, right. well, okay, oh, mentoring is important. I have to interview people about that. Relationship marketing is important. Now I have to go more interview even more people about that. Okay. And it was really when the editor's like, okay, you're done. <laughs> 40,000 words, man. Yeah, they're just like, no, we're, <laughs> we're going to put it in a Google Doc. Uh-huh. You're going to approve the changes or disapprove the changes. Okay. But you're done. There is no adding another section to the freaking book. I love you're it. done. I love that was it. when it's like, okay, this is real. Okay, I this is kind of cool. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So, so um, after the editor was done doing what he or she needed to do, and it was the night before you knew it was going to be available. Did you sleep that night? Not a lot. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my brain God. was kind of running. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and so uh, do you remember like, the the I mean, did you have access to see who was buying, like how many people were buying and stuff, or or did your did the publisher handle all that, or did you publish it yourself? Because that's uh, a lot of people, a lot of new authors are going to want to know this kind of stuff because it it seems daunting to write a, your first book. I had a publisher, and what I wrote for anyone listening, as far as an author goes, if you go to traditional route of publishing, your publisher owns your book. Okay. You have to get permission to use your own freaking content, which just blows my mind. It's like, oh my God, it's like golden handcuffs. Ugh. Come on. Yep. yep. So then there's self-publishing, mm-hmm. but I knew I needed help. So right. what I did was hybrid publishing. Okay. Right. So I got all the, I got the editor, the, I got all the great stuff that I, the traditional publishers give you, mm-hmm. but I paid for it. So I own all the intellectual property for the book. Got it. Okay. And all the royalties go through my own Amazon account. It is not through the publisher. They do not get paid for the book because I paid them up front. Right. That's where they make, how they make their money. Right. So that's what I did as far as putting it out there. And for the book launch week, I'd, I've been fostering relationships with podcasters and radio hosts. And I got on a radio, sh- an internet radio show with 400,000 listeners. You did. Okay. And I watched the book go this rocket up to the both the Kindle edition and the paperback edition into the top 20 on Amazon. See that, that intrigues me. So that I guess the message really there is to get people don't know if they don't know who you are, you've got to find ways to get people to know who you are. So that opportunity to be on that TV show was now that wasn't luck. You, I'm sure you were strategic. So tell me about how do you, how do you do something like that? What I did, knowing what I would do, and I was very upfront with people, including the host of that show. Mm-hmm. When my book comes out, I want you to promote it. You know, there's no hidden agendas. I was very upfront with people, and I still am. Yeah, you need to be. But what I do is, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to need in the future when I publish the book. In the meantime, what do you need? Oh, you want guests? Let me get, in, introduce you to guests. Right. You want sponsors? Let me introduce you to sponsors. So I added value and built relationships before mm-hmm. I had before I had a direct ask to put me on their radio show or their podcast or TV show, whatever it might be. See, I love hearing that, Mark, because if you come from a place of service 
and wanting to add value for the, pers- the other person you're working with, that's the way to go. It's about building relationships. Too many people do the opposite. They do the ask first and then say, if you do this for me, the, you know, the quid pro quo, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Good for you, man. Good for you. So how did that radio uh, the TV show go? Aside from the book skyrocketing, like did it, what, like what was, what was such a, uh, how did that help you where you are now? Um, it was one of my first in a recent history as a guest. I got so used to being the host of, I, on YouTube, I do eight unedited minutes. Right. I, I just, I'm about to publish my 75th episode of the podcast. Good for you. Congratulations. So I'm used to being on stage, you know, conversations. I'm the interviewer. I'm the facilitator. Right. So that was the big shift for me was, whoa, I'm a guest. Yep. What do I do as a guest? And mm-hmm. I, just, I just went to my mentors and interviewed people about yeah. podcasts. But what do you do to be a good guest? Right. And then I just did what they told me to do. Yeah. You have any piece of advice, like the one good piece of advice to be a good, being a good guest? Because you're doing I, an awesome job now, man. So you must be using some <laughs> of that stuff. <laughs> I'm big on the how-to. Okay. I, I like to give people, if they listen to something, they can walk away with some actionable piece of advice. Okay. So I know I like on my podcast, I don't get into, I record 20 to 25 minutes and I start out jumping right away. Like, Hey Drew, you know, last time we were talking about publishing a book and you said, this is how you did it. Yeah. What advice do you have for the audience? And that's what I do as a guest now is I like to impart wisdom that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something can shift and or change in their life because they listen to me as a guest, not because if I talk about my childhood for 20 minutes, who cares? And I have. I've seen interviews with people like Richard Branson and Mark Cuban. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, great. I ta- I saw them talk for 20 minutes, let's say, on YouTube. Yeah. I got it's, nothing from it. Yeah. It's like, what? Okay, great. I, I, the relationship with their mom was good or bad. The relationship with their dad was good or bad. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What? Great. I heard a famous person talk. It's like, if I see Mark Zuckerberg live and he isn't imparted wisdom... It does no good for me, and there's no point in listening. All right, so you're putting me on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to give that one piece of wisdom when it comes to – I like this whole keynote thing. You're going to have to get into that after you give the wisdom. Find a piece of wisdom that got you to where you are now that you'd impart. Something I didn't listen to when I was younger, my mm. ex- extremely successful uncle, this, he got into automotive uh, plastic okay. before it was a big deal. So okay. he did very well for himself. No, I'm sure it sounds like it. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Automotive plastic. One of those penthouse <laughs> condominiums yeah. uh-huh. and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I still remember him telling me, and I didn't take it to heart, do what you love and the money will come. I love that. And I spent too many years saying, how can I make money? Not, how can I do what I love and make money from doing that? Okay. And that's something even recently, I, I've done it off and on over the years. The mm. author's book tours were one of them. Uh, I've started organiz- networking organizations for nonprofits and entrepreneurs. Those are included. Mm-hmm. But it was sporadic. Right. And I know people can't see it, but like up and down lines like a radio wave. Right. And that's something that I really realized recently when I changed my LinkedIn profile and my website to yeah. keynote conversations. I mm-hmm. said, I love this. I'm such a geek. I love to learn from interviewing people. This is so cool. And it was just December of last year that I said, I'm going to get, I'm going to interview people for a living and get paid well to do it. I, love I don't it. know how the hell I'm going to do it, 
but mm -hmm. I'm drawing a line in the sand and that's what we're doing. That is my plan for 2023. Good for you. And Tell us how that's going. The clients are coming in. I love, I have, uh, a client right now, we just did a half day video shoot. We're okay. interviewing them to showcase their genius. Mm -hmm. And when I interview them for them, what they're saying is I'm not going to write a storyboard, an outline, memorize, practice, go to the studio. Well, can you do a 30 minute session with me and then get in front of the camera? And let me interview you. This client happened to be live in Chicago. It was awesome. And I love it. Good. Now, some, another, co another company I'm talking to right now said we want, more than client testimonials, we want client stories about how they work with us and how you make a difference. Can you do that? Like, yes. And they want to use Zoom to do it. It's like, heck, yeah, we can do that. Beautiful. This is going to be awesome. And it's 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 a slow burn. Uh -huh. It's catching on, though. Good. Because that's the one thing people learn. It's like getting a keynote speaker. You can get you can get your brother to do it for free. Yeah. You're going to get what you pay for them. Mm -hmm. so that's why sure. you pay five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand for a keynote speaker because they're going to entertain the audience, and that's their craft. Absolutely, and that's what I'm working on right now. This the challenge for me is: well, what do you mean you interview people? I can just get my buddy to get ten questions together, and it's like, no, it's not that's like not that. how it works. <laughs> you can't just take somebody out of Second City, put them in a freaking suit, and nope. get the Tonight Show. Absolutely. It takes years of experience to do it the right way. I and that is what I'm working on right now. Is it's, it, it's pretty much an all or nothing at this stage. Mm -hmm. People either like, I get my brother to write 10 questions or they totally get it. It's like, oh my God. Well, you want to work YouTube with those, and you want to work the ones who just totally get it. You're not going to try to convince somebody to not use their brother. It's not worth it. No, I, I look at it as there's convincing and there's collaborating. I'm, yeah. o I'm over convincing people yeah you're collaborating yeah i hear collaborating you. Uh, yeah. i'm all there i mean they have <laughs> to they do that's like go check out my youtube station listen to my podcast mm -hmm. and you know no it's, it's not personal it's professional mm -hmm. yep it's, let me know what you think check absolutely. it out let the the proof is in the pudding absolutely absolutely and that's what i focus on now is that it's like i'm done convincing people i'm all about collaborating Good for you. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. So I could talk to you all day. We, uh, I'm going to ask you I got two <laughs> more. I got two more questions, and then we're going to let the audience know how to get more of Mark J. Carter. So, all right. Here's the first question. You're sitting down with 7- to 10-year-old Mark J. Carter, and you want to give him, give him some advice about life. What are you going to tell him? At that age, I remember having self-esteem issues. Okay. And I would tell them, you're good enough. You're amazing. Oh, okay. I love That's it. That's what I would tell them. Absolutely. You are good enough. You are amazing. Thank you for that. I just got chills. Good stuff, Mark. Okay. Now, different hat. You got a different hat on. And you are now sitting down with Mark J. Carter, the young businessman entrepreneur, just starting out. And you want to give him some advice on business. What are you going to tell him? For business, my senior year of college, when I th thought I was going to be a speaker and a coach, mm -hmm. I struck it on my own and was cold. Call it was nuts. I was cold calling high schools. And I, there's things, advice like I was trying to charge and I was cold faxing at the time when faxes were still around. Mm -hmm. And my price was 150 bucks. And one of my customers where I was waiting tables to pay the bills and I worked in a high school and I told him that he's like, you know what your problem is? 
you could be quoting and starting at $1,500. No one's going to book anyone for $150. Mm. That's entirely <laughs> too low. You're not an expert. Right. So what I would have told the, me then was do not go out on your own entirely. I quit my corporate job a month back quitting tables. I would tell him to go work, even if it's for free as an intern, at a speaker's bureau. Mm. Immerse yourself in the industry. Get to know the coaches. Learn from mentors. And do that for at least two years. And again, even if it waiting tables pays the rent, right, right, right. go immerse yourself in the industry. Don't freaking try to figure everything out right. on your own. What a great advice. Absolutely. That's one of my big, biggest regrets is, man, I did it the wrong way. Well, you know what? That's wonderful advice. And you have young, young audience uh, hearing that. Hope they take it to heart and listen to you because too often we look at the money first and then try to reinvent the wheel and wonder why we were running in quicksand. So you just gave people yeah. the answer. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. So definitely the audience wants, they've now know the essence of Mark J. Carter and want to get to know more of you. How do we do that? The book, the podcast, eight unedited minutes, everything is on markjcarter.com. You hear that, everybody, markjcarter.com. And that's Mark with a K, J Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R, markjcarter.com. Perfect. And we'll have, we'll have that information in the show notes. Mark, thank you for coming on, number one. Uh, thank you for coming into my life, man. Uh, I'm so happy, so grateful that we're friends and we get to share each other's knowledge and wisdom. You're a great man and you're doing great things and keep doing what you're doing. Your passion just comes through uh, in many different ways. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, Please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.